Hey beautiful teachers, I'm Nicola Canton from Vibrant Music Teaching. Welcome to the show that's about you. This podcast gives you a sneak peek into the lives and businesses of private music studio teachers so that you can share in their successes, learn from their mistakes and feel part of a global community that's dedicated to sharing music with others. Today we're visiting Graham Diesel in South Africa. Graham has been thrown into the deep end of teaching over and over and has some great insights on the differences between the classroom and the private lesson. Graham, welcome to the show. It's so great to have you on. Yeah, thank you. Looking forward to this. So we like to play a game to start with. I want you to tell me two lies and one truth about yourself and I'll try and guess which one is true. Okay. I have my own gardening business. Um, I was a semi-finalist on The Voice and I am a head of a music department. Okay. Hmm. You're the head of the music department, semi-finalist on The Voice and gardening business. I'm just going to guess the one I want to be true, which is The Voice. Is that one true? True as well, but unfortunately (laughs) not. So yeah, so yeah. The truth is, uh, sorry, I couldn't hear you there. Oh, I just said which one was the actual truth. So that would be I'm um, head of a music department over and above having my own studio. <laughs> oh, okay. Wow, that's a lot of responsibility. Yeah, no, it is. So let's get to know a bit more oh, about. I love you. doing that. So let's get to know Perfect. a bit more about you as a teacher. Then, if I gave you a free billboard space to advertise your studio, your teaching style, and it's already going to have your studio information on it, and they've already decided the picture, but you just get to put three words on it, three adjectives or words to describe your teaching. Um, um, Inspire and passion. Inspire, enthuse, passion. Why did you pick those three words? Because I want my students to be inspired to make music. I want to enthuse them to be more than what they think they can be. And I want them to see my passion and be inspired to be passionate about making music and what it can do in their lives. That's a great dream, a great aspiration. So tell me then where your passion comes from. What was your own musical upbringing like? Did you take lessons from a young age? What was your experience? Um, So at the school that I started in grade one, um there was a music center and the teachers came around and said we could sign up and i signed up the form um and it was handed in and lessons were arranged but i somehow got it right to bypass my parents on it so my sister who's a little bit older than me she took lessons at the same center and the one day we were walking in town and i i went to school when i was five in grade one and I was then in grade two when this happened, um, just turned six. And my mom happened to spot one of the, my sister's teachers. And she said, hi, and uh, where's, where was Graham for his first lesson? And she said, but Graham hasn't been entered for music lessons. And so I managed to enter myself for piano lessons when I was six years old. And um, yeah, and I, it all went from there. Um, I did very well in the beginning. I had an awesome teacher and then unfortunately she left and 
I did work in the music center there. It was based at the high school in our town. Um, had to travel there. And then as teachers leave, you got passed on to other teachers. And yeah, by the time I was in grade 11, um, I stopped classical music training. Uh, my last teacher actually chased me out of the room um, with the words, you're the most untalented student I've ever had. I don't know why they've given me all the unta untalented students um, uh, because she was new at the center. Um, so yeah, that kind of stopped it there. But luckily I had people in my life who believed in, in my musicality and my talent. And I then got involved in um, a worship band at uh, church. Um, my pastor was a very good uh, pianist, um, no formal training, so he played by ear using chords and he gave me some tips um, and I was thrown in on the deep end joining the band and I just had to start swimming, playing with a band on the keys. And so I learned to play by ear and using chords and improvising through that. And then through um, a lot of circumstances, I, I was the last um, of the young people in South Africa who were um, forced to join the army at the age of, or when you matriculated. So I had to go to the army first before I could start studying. Um, and then after army, I then wanted to go and study visual arts. I was accepted for the course. Um, and then when I left army, it was about six months before I could uh, start studying and I then volunteered at a small private school that focused on disadvantaged students. I wasn't a qualified teacher and yet I was placed in a classroom full of children who were about the age of grade three and some of them couldn't read yet and I just read up on it and I started teaching them and got such amazing results and I decided to go and study teaching and the doors just opened for me. And then as I joined um, teaching studies, um, I decided to join the choir on campus. And then the lecturer who had the choir then saw that I had um, some musical training and she then um, encouraged me to change my course to um, some of the music modules. And by my second year, I was so enthused about music that I changed my whole course to music teaching. And so, yeah, that in a nutshell is where everything started for me in terms of music teaching and piano playing, yeah. Wow, so it seems like there was quite a lot almost working against you there. You said you had people encouraging you, but you also changed teachers so many times. And that last teacher sounds like they shouldn't, they didn't have any business being in piano lessons if they were going to say that to a student. Yeah. For context, you said yeah, absolutely. that was um, year 11, I think you said. That's around age 17, is that right? I was actually young for my, for my class. So I was still 15 then when I stopped. And so by the age of, I just turned 16 when I got thrown in the deep end joining the church. Um, praise and worship band yeah okay wow well a lot a lovely meandering path to end up in music education along the way do you yes do you uh, think you were a good practicer a good student for all those different teachers 
Um, maybe in the beginning, yes, but definitely not while I was at school. There was no routine for me to practice. Um, I just fooled around on the piano. So I understand why my last teacher thought I wasn't talented because I never practiced. Um, yeah, and I come from a family where no one else made music except my sister was the first one to start making music. Um, my grandfather used to play the violin and piano, but I never really heard him play because um, he, by the time I realized that he was a musician, he already had a stroke before and he couldn't really play anymore and so on. So, and I think it was difficult for my parents to know how to support me because those things were not in place um, in the studio where, or the music center where I had lessons. There was no real communication with parents in, in those days. Um, so I think that made it difficult. And I really wasn't a very disciplined student. In terms of academics, things just came easy for me. I never really had to work hard. And um, so I followed the same principle in terms of music. And it was only when I was thrown in the deep end where I had to swim and I was forced to play with the band and had to perform new songs every week that I really started playing and practicing. Right, because that's when you you had to show up with the result end results. You couldn't just um, coast through the lessons as maybe you had been doing. Yeah, yeah. It's such a good point though about yes. the parent <laughs> communication and and information for parents that your parents didn't have that context and yeah. so they really didn't know how to help you with that so is there any no, that is um, something that i try to do sorry go ahead sorry you can go now i said that's something that i i try to focus on in my studio as well is to to train parents as well as students <laughs> on how to practice yes absolutely it's so important so is there anything that you wish had been included in your lessons when you were growing up? Perhaps something that would have served you well when you were thrown into the deep end and had to play in that band, like improv or maybe games or different genres, that kind of thing? I think um, if I look back before that pivotal moment where I went into um, more um, praise and worship style piano playing, um, I think what would have encouraged me to play more was definitely different genres. Um, the whole system that was in place was um, in South Africa, we've got UNISA, which is uh, the University of South Africa, who also has a music section where you can enter for exams. And so their syllabus worked on five pieces for the year that you had to do, and you were trained to play piano exams. And that was it. There was no real music training, you could play your five pieces for the year and that was it. And there wasn't any focus on sight reading skills or being able to just make music beyond the scope of an exam. And, and I think that's why today I'm so passionate about exams as only a tool, it's not what lessons are about. Um, and things like improvisation and being able to, to just pick up a song that I liked and play by ear and those kind of skills I think that would have enthused me to to be a better music student at that point. So yeah, there are quite a lot that I would have liked to be different at that, that point in my life. Yes, you're singing my tune there as you think, I think you know in terms of the exam express that many students get on and that it's just one tool in a teacher's tool belt. Yeah. Motivate students to measure progress, but yeah. it's just one way to do that. So from your 
early teaching days in the disadvantaged school. How did it progress from there? Did you get into teaching private lessons after college or? So um, the course that I did uh, was being a general primary school teacher as well as a qualified music teacher that could go up to high school. So it was kind of a dual course. So my first teaching um, experience um, where I was a, a formally qualified teacher was on the academic side. I was appointed as the music teacher at school. So I would do general music and then run the music center in the afternoon where children took uh, recorder and piano lessons. And there was an off ensemble and things like that. As it turned out, when I arrived at the school, um, after moving to a different town and everything to take up this job, they couldn't find a grade three teacher. This is a very rural um, school. So I was put in a grade three classroom, teaching grade threes, the whole academic syllabus to them. Um, and then for certain lessons, I would go out of the class teaching um, general class music and then do the lessons in the afternoon uh, with my students. And then I also started teaching privately in the little bit of extra time that I had late afternoon, taking on one or two extra private students. Wow, that, that sounds like quite a trial by fire, right? To start off your teaching career with that many <laughs> it was. things. No, it was. Uh, it was a challenging year for me. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. So has your private teaching expanded from there? Or is it still a few students a week as you can fit them in outside school teaching? Yes. So um, I never really advertised or made it into a formal business until about two years ago um, when I moved to this uh, current position that I'm in. And I think what inspired me to make it a more formal business and kind of establish a brand in this area is thinking of in the future, um, when I retire, I won't be ready to stop teaching because I've got to stop at the age of 63 in the job where I am at the moment. Um, and I definitely won't want to stop teaching then. So this is kind of, I'm keeping it small enough, but building my brand um, so that there is something to do once I have to retire from my formal job. Well, that's a smart move. It sounds like a great plan. I know many teachers who have done exactly that, retired from public school teaching in various different countries and then gone on to have their private studio like they wanted to. So that's a wonderful plan. Yeah, it's a, it's a very long term plan, but yeah, it's a, yeah, yeah. But you're thinking but, ahead, uh, which is great. You've got a plan for the future, yeah. 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 Can you tell me about a student, a particular student that changed something about how you teach or perhaps how you do business? Um, I, I had this one student. Um, I taught music in a high school before I took on this position. So uh, grade 12, year 12, matric. Um, they could, from grade 10, specialize in music as a subject. So this would be quite a, a intense music program, um, kind of similar to Cambridge A-levels or um, things like that. Through the, the independent examination board, uh, there's a private school as well. Um, and difficult home circumstances. Um, and we built this extremely good relationship where I could support him. There were many days where um, Sorry, Graham, to he interrupt would you. actually stay after a lesson. 
sorry um you broke up in the middle of that now by now but could you start that again just to explain who the student was because we lost that okay so this student came to me in the middle of his year nine and very he had very difficult term circumstances um dad was never on the scene dad didn't want anything to do with him dad lives in another country mom had remarried um to an abusive uh, second husband um lots of neglect, social issues, um, social economical issues, and just that relationship that I was able to build with him, the way that he could open up to me, just made me rethink how important, beyond just teaching um, the musical skills, how important that relational aspect is for students, and how being able to take in a student for music lessons can impact their lives in the future. He is very successful today. He's got his own business. Um, he is a wonderful young man that I still have contact with. And, and I think partly in his life, it was that, that he had somebody, his music teacher, who just opened up that space for him to be who he wanted to be, to learn a new skill and just have a confidence to share his life in another way. And through his music education, building skills for success in life as well. And so, and I think that has enthused and permeated my teaching um, in a way that I can never go back to, to not building relationships with my students. Wow, what a powerful story and a great opportunity for him, obviously, that he had that consistency in you it sounds like it was a big success um for you as a teacher as well as for him can you tell me about a time that yeah. you made a mistake that something didn't go as well as you hoped it would in your teaching um that's a tricky one uh, because i believe that everything that goes wrong is for a reason and you learn from it and you move on i think it's more a general thing that when I started teaching, um, again, it was this um, personal growth that I, I needed to go through of finding myself and being comfortable with who I was in front of a classroom and with my students, be able to be the best teacher for them. Because feeling unsure, feeling um, you're not not coping, that you overwhelm, that there's too many things going on. If, if you focus on those things, um, then your teaching will suffer. And I think it's that learning to know yourself, learning to manage your time, learning to plan properly. Those are skills that are not necessarily taught in a, in a um, educational environment, in a tertiary educational environment. And having to learn that in the beginning was tough, especially when you, you land up at a high performance school like I did in my second year of teaching, um, where the demands are just there that you need to swim. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so having those skills um, would have greatly made my first few years of teaching easier but than a teacher now. Um, yeah. Yes, that's, I mean, such a good point, especially that you were thrown in so quickly into such a difficult circumstance. Do you think there's anything you could have told that first year of teaching self as you went into teaching that would have helped? I think it 
there are two things that I would focus on. And that would be, you are good enough. <laughs> because we, we are told by so many voices that we're not good enough. And actually, we are all different. And you can't compare yourself to somebody else because you're not that person. And the way that you do things um, aren't necessarily the same that they do, but it doesn't make it necessarily wrong. And the other thing is to keep track of what you are doing and to read. Um, if you say, if you read and you learn about your craft, then you can compare what you're doing to what other people are doing. You can learn from them, you can try new ideas, and your thinking will uh, be changed. And just re keep on renewing and, and checking yourself. Um, yeah. Absolutely fantastic advice. Is there anything you think people outside our industry misunderstand about what it is that we do? Yeah, I think, um, I think we play, <laughs> we're not real teachers <laughs> and, um, that we've got it easy. Um, especially working in a school environment where there's academics and then there's the music department. The perception is always that we sit around and we drink tea and we have chats and, uh, listen to a child play piano, but there's no realization of how intense a piano lesson is that you're moving from one thing to the other and you have to be focused and problem solved the whole time. You have to be aware of what your student is doing physically, emotionally, how, what they're putting into their music, how they're reading, what their eyes are doing. Um, there are so many things that you need to keep track of in a lesson. It's intense. Where in an academic classroom segment, set, uh, setting, sorry, um, because I've got the experience there as well, it's often you can quickly take the 10 minutes at the end of a lesson while the children are working, typically send an email, and your admin can be managed through that. Um, whereas a music teacher, your admin comes at the end of the day and then you still have to um, rehearse and find music and research and all of that afterwards. So I think both, both sides of the coin misunderstand each other. And no matter what kind of teacher you are, teaching is hard and tough and it is exhausting at times and we're all teachers um, and if you're not if you haven't been in that position you don't really understand what a teacher is whether it's on academics or in music and a lot of the time there isn't that communication with, from the academic side of teaching and from parents to understand that you actually work very very hard yes I love that many affirmation in the middle there, which is just teaching is hard. I think that's so important just to acknowledge. Um, and it's interesting to talk to hear you talk about classroom versus private. Do you find the classroom less draining or is it just a different type of energy? It's a different type of energy because managing a larger group of children, 20, 25 children in a classroom um, is more tricky. Um, it's often like playing that game of hit the head of the frog, that jumping up game that you often find in arcades, um, because you've got the five students that can't sit close to each other and you have to manage them because then this one talks and then that one does their thing and this one does that thing. So you're managing those five at the same time, keeping them down so the rest of the class can actually learn. And so that's often the case in, a, in an academic environment where you've got those trigger children in the class that you have to manage and get through your syllabus, where I think 
music is intense teaching all the time, but every child is on their own learning path. That so you don't have that pressure necessarily always to to get through a specific syllabus at a specific time. Where in academic teaching you have to. Um, so both sides have the the pros and the cons. Um, both are equally tough in different ways. <laughs> yes, I'm sure. Having not been a classroom teacher or not in any substantial sense, um, I imagine the management is a lot more than when you're dealing with one person at the very least. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that. Finally, then, I want you to imagine a teacher out there who's feeling uncertain, maybe like you were in the first year as well. Is there anything you could add that you could say to them if they're out there? Maybe they're more experienced than you were at that time, but they're still feeling like they're not sure if they're doing it right. Maybe other than reading and knowing that you're doing the best you can. Is there anything else you would say to them? I think team up with a buddy. Find somebody who you trust that's also a music teacher and talk to them. Um, building that network of and that collaboration of people who can support you and who you can chat to that I'm doing the same thing that you do. I think that is important. You need to have that support and you need to have that somebody that you can talk to just to check, am I still doing okay? And if you need encouragement, they, they're there to encourage you. Well, great advice, find a buddy and make those connections. And speaking of which, it was great to connect with you today, Graham. Thank you so much for coming on the show. You're welcome. Thanks for listening. Do you love this show? Then please share your favorite episode with a teacher friend who you think might enjoy it and benefit from it. If you resonated with today's story, then the Vibrant Music Teaching membership is probably a good fit for you too. Find out more at vibrantmusicteaching.com.